I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Battleground Productions presents Brass, the audio series, episode 30, Summits and Revelations. The year is 1886, but not one familiar to you. In this world, while many things are similar... A series of fortunate events and technological marvels have created a British Empire that was more prosperous, enlightened, and powerful than the one that we know. But thanks to the machinations of a certain crime minister, the Empire has begun to fall to a corrupt and controlling regime. Mere minutes before Gwendolyn Brass had, it seemed, the chance to end the crime minister's reign forever, but for reasons not yet known, she chose not to assassinate the evil mastermind. Instead, she has fled the meeting place of his sinister cabal, still disguised as the theatrical criminal boss, Kensington Gore. Yet just moments after she reaches the street, a voice hails her. Mr. Gore, just one moment, if you don't mind. <clears throat> Vincent Law, you may remember me. We met last year. Mr. Law. So very good to see you again. And you? Why, I was just thinking of you the other day. Do you recall that conversation we had when last we met? No. Oh, you must. I sat right next to you during the crime minister's speech. Afterwards, I came up to you and said that I might not have many talents, but that I certainly have a nose for perfumes. <sighs> yes. And that I found it odd that the man who reportedly employs a former acquaintance of mine, Mademoiselle Trasano, would wear the same scent that she wore. Or oh, of roses, you mean? That would be it. Your former acquaintance, Trasorno, is now very close to me. You know, I don't think she is. You see, I've been watching you tonight, and I must say, 
Your version of Kensington Gore is just a much more convincing portrayal than Trasano's. What? Oh, yes. Whoever you are, you're a better actress than my former lover. Her portrayal of Gore was practically a study from the melodrama stage, right down to the twirling of the moustache. But you, brava, a masterpiece of many subtleties. I suppose it's even possible that you are a man. Tell you what, why don't we find out? Oh yes, that's right. The walking stick is also a gun. Now strip. You really are quite mistaken. Strip. Now, or I shoot. Why, Vincent Law, you saucy devil. What? Oh! Thanks for your intercession, good sir. Don't mention it, my lady. You don't believe what that man is saying. I don't need to. Who could forget such a very pretty face, even all covered up in theatrical makeup? You're Gwendolyn Brass. Wait! Hold back and listen. Yes, it's me, Crawford. The man you met on the airship, and who led the assault on your house. But I'm not here to expose or fight you. I'm here to offer my help. Your greatest enemy is the man who tried to have me killed. That means he's both our enemies. And I know who he is. Meanwhile, within the magisterial stone walls of Queen Victoria's Scottish retreat Balmoral, that most favoured of monarchs is in conversation with one of the men who have recently joined her royal retinue. Explain to me, please, why we are confined to our quarters today. Installation of the new telephones to the castle, Your Highness. A number of workmen are going to be busy throughout the residence, running wires and testing equipment. Then may I ask again, why are we here at all? We were perfectly content at the palace, and the travel has exacerbated the Prince Regent's illness. Your Highness, the threat of anarchist attacks upon your person had risen to an unprecedented level. Here at Balmoral, we are assured of having adequate defences to protect you in any scenario. Now, may I be excused to return to my supervision? The sooner that the technicians have completed their work, the sooner your living quarters will be exclusively yours again. Very well. Dismissed? No. I don't like it one bit. Oh, but, my darling wife, what can be done? Huh? Let us assume that this is for our own safety. Albert, get back into bed immediately. You're not oh, well. Victoria, you yourself said it's merely a slight case of the grip. You must not always think of me as so fragile. I knew that we had a problem when they cancelled my weekly chat with that Trent fellow. Look for him as they did. He would look ashen after those teas with you. Lord Trent, it seems, is used to people behaving as if they should be awed by his exalted station. I am not. What's more, his character was all too familiar to me. I've had nine children, and I'm no spoiled brat when I see one. If you had been perhaps a, a bit more diplomatic, we might still be in London. Oh, really? Dear wife, why I don't get leaving a, a London which increasingly feels like a different country, I worry about the people we leave behind, like Edward. 
I don't think you have to worry about Bertie in the least. If you asked me, he's far too chummy with the new government as it is. Edward is not a bad boy, but he is so easily led. He's got the brains of a carp. And he's just as likely to follow a shiny lure. Victoria, please. I'm sorry, Albert. It's just, dear husband, I worry. They would not have sent us here if they meant us harm. Oh, I do not worry for our lives. Though I cannot believe they put you on a train when bed rest was prescribed. I worry for our nation. We are its sovereign representative. And what has happened to it makes my heart heavy. Mine as well, my dear. When the brasses returned last year, I thought, at last, all of the encroaching shadows shall be dispelled. For they were my knights, my champions, the defender of our realm. That is why when... when the bombing occurred... Uh, dear wife... And ever since... It has seemed as if hope has left the land. But you are hope, my queen. You are the hope of your people, and as you live, it continues. But what if hope has left my heart? What shall we all do then? Oh, bother! Go away! Your, your Majesty... When a queen tells you to go away, that is a command. Might I explain? Yes, yes, you're one of the blasted workmen installing the blasted telephones. That's certainly our story. Excuse me? Your Majesty. Oh. Please, no screaming. Madeline, it can't be you, can it? I think it is. It is? Oh, my dear, you're alive. Entirely. And I'm hoping to remain so during this rather harrowing escape plan. This is an escape? If things work out, yes. Is that part of the escape plan? It isn't, no. The door is locked. This room is second story. That door... A closet. That door. The commode. Are the doors into and out of this room? No. Unfortunate. Are you both ready for some vigorous physical exercise? We are. Good to know. Though he is not. I am, dear lady. Uh, a small case of the grip, that is all. What do you need us to do? I don't know yet. I just wanted to add your readiness to a very small list of positive factors. As time is not on that list. As the royals anxiously seek the face of their would-be saviour for a sign of inspiration, in the quite luxurious meeting room of the Hotel Jacques in Paris, Lord Brass begins the official proceedings of a very unlikely summit of unusual members. Ladies, professors, doctors, pirates and other distinguished guests, thank you for your presence here tonight. I also welcome Monsieur Bencolin from France's own Le Deuxième Bureau, who infiltrated our gathering, but after some discussion, now joins us as participant. We have met, we have supped, we have argued, proposed, and amended. We have shared some thoughts, some laughter, and some secrets, and we have agreed that we face a common threat 
the corruption from within of the British Empire. In the space of a few short months, our unknown adversary, through his cat's paw, Lord Trent, has seized control of my great nation, corrupting it into the vilest den of thieves imaginable. What is worse, the contagion now spreads from England outward. A growing infection of crime and evil. Even as we speak, the Southern Confederacy has diplomats in London seeking to expand to new markets their horrific enslavement and trade in human beings. So corruption spreads like fire in parched fields. We cannot wait. We must contain our enemy's toxic poison of criminality, rapacity and nihilism before it rends first Europe and then the world apart. Yet, in facing our enemy, we must take stock of who we are as well. As a young man, blessed with a free education, I committed myself to serve the queen and country that had provided it. Soon I served a larger destiny, the expanse of an empire. A good and noble service. I believed we were debating, dreaming, engineering a better future, and that the world would thank us for it. For the last three years, I have been out in that world and seen much of what our empire has brought. That is commendable. Law and justice, science and curiosity, roads and medicine, and a mother tongue to promote negotiation over unknowing distrust. Yet, on my journeys to the far reaches of our colonies, protectorates and allied states, from Hong Kong to Delhi, from Victoria Falls to Victoria, British Columbia. The more I saw, the more uneasy I felt. The British Empire doth astride the narrow world like a colossus. But when you are a giant, it is hard to do good. Your grasp is too unyielding. And even with a careful step, you tread too heavily. I have seen evidence of much that makes me ashamed of my nation. There is no delicacy to an empire's rule. Even gestures of good faith can cause catastrophe. But if not this empire, whose? I don't know. But I believe it is not enough to restore the peace that has reigned until this time. We must do better. Be kinder, more tolerant, brave, and just. Our goal should be nothing short of the betterment of mankind and the thoughtful caretaking of our world. This may be too large for an empire, we shall see. But these are my ideals, and I hope they can be yours as well. Our first step towards them is defeating the cabal that has taken my beloved London. I shall outline my strategy and the place each of you has in it. My friends, and now my allies, let us go to war not only for ourselves and for our own causes. Let our greater cause be the creation of a finer world. Now, if you'll all come closer, I'll show you the map. Yet even as Lord Brass begins to outline his plans, his ally, Ponder Wright, has reached the first of a projected series of investigations to rescue the Brass's friend and ally, Professor von Hoffman. 
Yes. Hello. Uh, apologies for the late hour. I'm trying to find out where they've taken Professor Van Hoffman. Well, you are successful. <laughs> I'm here. Professor, I had heard that you had been taken. <laughs> Rumors. They're the curse of our times. Please, come in. Professor, I am Ponderite. I knew that you must be. May I say, the work on you is exquisite. Thank you. I agree. I know your brother very well. He sends his regards. Uh, Professor, you need to leave here. W why? Because very soon, at any time, really, the police will be looking for you. Will they look for me here? I did. It is your home, after all. Uh, uh, but please, Mr. Wright, calm down. <laughs> I don't understand what you think is going to happen to me. Professor, I have been instructed to give you a message. All right. Lord Brass is alive, and he needs you to contact him. Alive? Uh, are you absolutely sure? Yes. Well, this is amazing. How did he survive? Not just him, sir. The entire Brass family. Uh, oh, beyond the incredible. Where is he? I do not know, to be honest, but he said that you would be able to contact him through Tesla's method. Tesla's method? I believe it is a form of wireless... Wireless communication! Of course! Tesla's machine tuned to the specific frequency that he had... Oh, what a fool I have been! Oh, please, Mr. Wright, come with me. It's in my lab. Of course. My laboratory. My goodness. Quite impressive. I had to have that whole wall taken out. <laughs> did he say anything else at time that I should make a broadcast, for example? He did not. Ah, Let me get these sheets off it. You know, of all my scientific studies, there is one that has interested me above all others. Which is that, Professor? History. <laughs> I best turn on the machine. It, it takes a while for it to warm up. I've always thought history more of an art than a science, seeing as she has her own muse and all that. A Cleo, yes. <laughs> but to the Greeks, science and art were not as divided as they are now. Uranium was the muse of astronomy, for example. But trust me, history is as much a science as an art. Doesn't that presuppose history having a practical use in the world? And it does. With history, we can predict the future. I don't quite follow. Well, history reveals, does it not, certain fundamental truths about human beings? Of course. What they love what they fear, how they form communities and how they make war, how they will act in certain situations, not as individuals always, but almost undeniably in large enough populations. You will grant me this? That makes sense. Oh, come over here. I, I want to show you something. Knowing what motivates people lets us not only understand how the world around us works, but how to predict the most probable outcomes. Is that what this machine does? <laughs> no, 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 that is. No. Stand here, please, and, and hold this sheet. 
We know, for example, that a community that is fearful is more easily manipulated than one that is not. As the last few months have shown. Mm. And we know that while particular virtues like loyalty, industry and compassion can take us far, they do not propel people forward with the force that self-interest, greed and distrust of one's fellow man can do. If we want to inspire great change in the world, we cannot waste our energy attempting to eradicate sin and vice. Instead, we must harness these forces. Indeed, it may well be that we must cultivate them. Uh, please, stand there another moment. I, I must throw this switch. I'm afraid I don't understand. Ah... Perhaps you have somewhat conventional ideas of what is good and evil, Mr. Wright. I'm... caught. Professor! It's an electromagnet, Mr. Wright. I, I wagered that there was probably enough ferrous metal in your body that it would hold you effectively. It hurts! I would imagine that it would. Sorry about that. Naturally, it is creating tension between your flesh and your metallic parts. John, it's off! Again, apologies. I simply can't do that. You know, Ponderite of Clacker Street, it's been a bit of fun watching you fumble about for the last six months trying to keep up with me. All of these tiny little tugs on different parts of the web. Please! And now, you stumble right into my home by what seems to be complete accident with news that my greatest enemies are alive. How very amusing. Ah, Tesla's machine is ready. You don't happen to know what particular frequency Lord Brass is using for his communications, do you? Well, I would suppose not. Or if you did, you might be in too much pain to tell me. Isn't that right? Ah, it seems he is unconscious. Or worse. Well, I shall have to search for it myself. Hello? Hello, this is Professor Eric von Hoffmann calling for Lord Brass. Can you hear me? Please, can you hear me? Lord, the former Chief Science Officer of Britain, the friend and colleague of Lord Brass, is revealed to be the Crime Minister. And as he searches for contact, the limp form of Ponderite sags next to a humming electromagnet, which may be causing who knows what damage to both his mechanical and non-mechanical parts. What will be the sequel to this awful scenario? To find out, join us next season for the continuation of the story of the first family of the realm, Brass. Brass is manufactured by Battleground Productions and features Kate Cray as Lady Brass, Charles Leggett as Lord Brass, Catherine Grant Sutty as Gwendolyn Brass, and Jeremy Adams as Cyril Brass, with Larry Albert, Margie Bickman, Lisa Carswell, Yusuf L. Gindy, Nancy Fry... Ronnie Hill, Philip Keeman, John Longenbar, Matt Middleton, Terry Edward Moore, Tad Morgan, and Nikki Vissel. 
Brass was recorded at Seattle Voice Academy, engineered by Shana Pennington-Bard and Chris Lea, with sound designed by Kirsty Gilmore and music composed by Bruce Monroe. It was written and directed by John Longenbaugh. For more information on Brass, go to battlegroundproductions.org, find us on Facebook and Instagram, and to support us, fund us on Patreon, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts.